Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello, Sixpackers. Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 69. The last year and a half have been a wild ride for Americans. I suddenly realized about ten years ago that modern America bore no resemblance from the country I grew up in, but 2020 America bears no resemblance to what it was less than two years ago. Over the last several decades, we've surrendered America to every minority group there is, from homosexuals to radical feminists, in the name of a very false equality, until real Americans feel like we're in the minority. But at least we held on to our concepts of constitutional liberty and capitalism. I'm afraid those things that made America great are gone now, and we gave them up without so much as a whimper. What did Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Until Bernie Sanders and that point-headed little idiot AOC began promoting the idea that America should be socialist, no one in America took that idea seriously at all. Thanks to government-run public schools that have left several generations uneducated but indoctrinated, the American people generally have no earthly idea what our Constitution and economics are all about. Consequently, when the likes of Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez began telling the voters all the socialist pie-in-the-sky lies of how great it would be to become a socialistic nation, we went from no rational person taking socialism seriously to only 70% of Americans being against it. This is exactly what happened during the abortion debate in the 1970s. When the debate began, only a fringe element supported abortion. After only a decade, no more than 70% of Americans opposed abortion. After two decades, only a minority of Americans saw a problem with killing babies. We're in the majority again, but it took two more decades to get back there. It can't work that way with socialism, though. The nature of socialism is that it suppresses liberty, and once gone, liberty is impossible to regain. We can't have a fluctuation of opinion regarding socialism the way we had with abortion, but American opinion about socialism has pretty much become a moot point, because in two months we've shifted from the United States of America to the People's Republic of America, and it happened without a single protest. 
Indeed, of all the conservative talk radio hosts in this country, only two of them that I know of spoke out about what was happening, Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin. Almost every single member of Congress in both houses, Democrat and Republican, voted in a multi-trillion dollar China virus bill they wrongly called a stimulus bill that was actually a relief bill. Then the capitalist president of the United States signed it into law. This was the biggest socialist redistribution of wealth in the history of the world, and it hasn't done a damn thing to stimulate anything. This whole pandemic and subsequent events would be the stuff of conspiracy theories worthy of being made into a movie. You can almost imagine some malevolent cabal plotting the whole thing in an effort to destroy Occidental freedoms. Step one, unleash a new virus upon the world. Step two, use the media to hype it up to be much worse than it actually is. Step three, fool leaders of nations throughout the world to completely lock down the people and economy. Step four, socialistically redistribute wealth to make people comfortable with living off the government. You can figure out the rest to its logical conclusion. The China virus relief bill wasn't the only socialistic redistribution of wealth here. There is also a federal unemployment benefit. Many Americans are taking home more money than they make from their jobs because of it, and employers who want to reopen their businesses are complaining they can't get their employees to come back because of it. There are other characteristics of a socialist government at play. As is the case in all socialistic countries, state and local governments have trampled all over our constitutionally protected liberties. Our right to assembly has been restricted in almost every state. Our right to worship has been crushed in almost all states while liquor stores remain open. In many jurisdictions, you can be jailed and or fined just for worshiping God. And it's important to note that this restriction seems to apply only to Judaism and Christianity in places like New York City, where Mayor Bill DeCamio is going to use a half million dollars of taxpayer money to provide food for Muslim Ramadan and public loudspeakers to call Muslims to prayer five times a day. Of course, Mr. Mayor says that if he catches you worshiping in a church, he'll have the building shut down permanently. Another characteristic of socialist government taking place in some jurisdictions is the crushing of free speech. If you dare to complain about staying at home orders or express disagreement, you'll be fined or jailed. In California, where protesters dared to protest on Capitol grounds in an effort to get their governor to reopen the state, Governor Newsom responded simply by making it illegal to assemble on state property. Someone needs to inform Newsom that the state property belongs to the citizens of California, not him. Oh, and he took an oath to defend the Constitution, which means defending free speech. An oath apparently means nothing to him. A woman in New Jersey was arrested for simply organizing a protest. The message from New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is that the people should just shut up, sit down, and obediently obey the orders of their masters. In North Carolina, state police responded to protests by proclaiming protesting as a non-essential activity. What? 
Protesting against government is one of America's most essential activities, except in a socialistic police state which America is becoming. The most disturbing liberty-crushing activity in every single state, having a stay-at-home order, is the denial of worship. In every state where this is done, you can still go to a liquor store to get drunk and in applicable states keep up your marijuana stash, but it's a crime to worship God. If you're in a high-risk category and don't think it's prudent to go to church, by all means stay at home. But it's not the state's place to tell you that you can't worship. And without exception, every single one of our Catholic bishops, including those I think are stellar churchmen, have betrayed all the Catholic laity in America by forbidding so-called public masses. Now, before commenting further on that, I want to mention one thing that's been sticking in my cross since I first learned of public mass restrictions and that priests were to say mass privately. You need to understand that there's no such thing as a private mass. All masses are public masses. If your priest celebrates mass in the parish church, he can stop you from being on parish property as the bishop's representative because the parish property belongs to the bishop. One thing he can't do, however, is to keep you from participating at any mass he celebrates and the bishop can't make him violate that most basic principle of Catholicism. If your priest would, say, celebrate in a public park that's open, you could attend that Mass if you wanted, despite the bishop's immoral order not to. In fact, a priest has the moral obligation to disobey his bishop about Mass restrictions simply because they're immoral. Now, why is every American bishop wrong for taking Mass away from us? The Mass is now and has always been our best hope of beating this overinflated virus panic. We needed more Masses, not less, and restricting access to them has shown us our bishops like the courage of commitment. Now maybe you understand my motto, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. And some of our bishops, thankfully very few, have demonstrated repeatedly that they don't believe in our holy and ancient faith at all anymore. But regarding the various jurisdictions crushing our liberty to worship, we need to recall the words of our sixth president of the United States and son of the second president. John Quincy Adams said, The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. We were founded on the basis of Christian principles, and no mayor or governor has any right whatsoever to restrict our right of worship, no matter the circumstances. All of the liberty-crushing actions of various governments and politicians are bad, but we still have recourse to the courts to deal with those. What we won't be able to defeat is the greatest redistribution of wealth in the history of the world. Almost every single politician in Washington showed his or her true socialistic moorings by weighing down the backs of our children and grandchildren with multi-trillion dollar debt in response to this pandemic. These various relief bills are a massive redistribution of wealth, and they've completed the transition of America into a socialistic nation, which was begun by Franklin Roosevelt. There's absolutely nothing in the Constitution that authorizes this virus relief bill. 
In fact, there's absolutely nothing in the Constitution that authorizes Social Security, welfare, food stamps, student grants and loans, or any other federal entitlement that's put this nation so far into debt that none of our progeny for generations to come will ever be able to pay it off. This is all leading to the destruction of America. We shouldn't have ever locked down this nation in the first place. Civil power certainly has the power to declare quarantine for people who have certain contagions in order to protect everyone else. But you can't lock down an entire nation of people who aren't sick. President Trump made the outrageously stupid decision to give too much control and influence to the so-called medical professionals who've been inaccurate on just about everything relating to the pandemic. This lockdown is based on grossly erroneous models from the medical professionals of the president's coronavirus task force. We were told by the medical professionals of the president's task force that 2 million people in this country would die, but only 51,000 have died. I'm not downplaying 51,000 deaths. All loss of life is tragedy. But to be told to expect 2 million deaths is ridiculous when you consider that only 51,000 died in a population of 330 million. And while the media was only hearing the medical professionals of the task force, many other professionals were trying to tell us the entire time that a national lockdown would only increase the effects of the virus. Even if the lockdown has worked to mitigate the effects of the virus, and I don't believe for a second that it did, based on all the medical evidence the media chose to ignore, the effects of the lockdown have caused far more misery than the virus itself. At this moment, over 26 million people are out of work and without money to even feed themselves. Consequently, food pantries have had more requests than they've ever had in American history. There's also a sharp increase in suicide, child abuse, domestic violence, and serious thefts. All of these things have impacted millions more people than the 51,000 who've died. This lockdown, whether planned or not, has been a ripe opportunity for the left to promote socialism, and they didn't even have to drag the right into it, kicking and screaming. In fact, the vast majority of liberty-loving Americans were led into the new socialist America as meek little lambs with the passage of trillions of dollars in relief bills and new debt. I'm most disappointed in my own senator, Josh Hawley. Hawley was the Missouri Attorney General before being elected to the Senate. Prior to that, he was one of the lawyers in the Hobby Lobby case defending Christian principles against Obamacare and a professor of constitutional law at the University of Missouri Law School. Hawley led the charge for this massive unconstitutional socialistic redistribution of wealth in the virus relief package. I was shocked by the fact that he voted for it, much less that he led the charge. I supported Hawley's bid for both attorney general and senator because he appeared to be the constitutionalist he claimed to be. There must be something in the water up there in Washington, though, because he betrayed the people by supporting the socialist bill, just like every lying politician in Washington. I emailed Senator Hawley after the bill passed. I informed him that I worked very hard for his two election campaigns. 
I also told him that I have one thing now that I didn't have when I worked to get him elected, a substantial, exponentially increased sphere of influence. I honestly told him that I have influence with approximately 30,000 Catholic voters in the St. Louis area alone, and an estimated 90,000 statewide. I ended my email to the senator by informing him that if he voted to put us one dollar further into debt, I would do all I can to see him defeated at re-election time in 2024. The coward never even bothered to respond. That's not surprising because there's no such thing as an adequate response to socialistic actions when you claim to be a conservative and constitutionalist. And you can be sure that I'll work to see him defeated in 2024, because my memory is long when it comes to the treachery of politicians who betray the American people. For the record, I sent a similar email to Senator Ted Cruz, expressing my disappointment. I supported him during the 2016 primary. I also sent an email to the White House expressing disappointment. The reason I told you about these emails is because I want to set the example for you. If you love America, if you love living in the greatest nation on earth and in the history of the world, if you want to save America, now is the time to take action. Become the proverbial pain in the neck. Write, call, or email your state's senators and your local representative in Congress. Inundate the White House with emails through the WhiteHouse.gov website. Don't let them finish destroying our nation, our home, without a fight. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows, and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. 
Hats off to the Washington Examiner. Stare decechis is a Latin term that means to stand by things decided. It's been used by abortion activists to support Roe v. Wade. But in a concurrent opinion, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh took issue with the principle being treated as an inexorable command. He wrote, Why stick by an erroneous precedent that is egregiously wrong as a matter of constitutional law? Maybe Roe's going to be overturned soon. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number number 4 Hats off to National Catholic Register. Antonio Acutis, the mother of the servant of God, Carlo Acutis, said her son lived a life centered on God. In a phone interview with the Register one day after the Vatican announced that her techie son, who died in 2006 at the age of 15, would be beatified, Actuus shared joyfully that this news didn't come as a surprise to her family. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to LifeSite News When Natalia's husband got a job in Norway and the family decided to move from Georgia to Norway, they never could have imagined that their children would be kidnapped by the Norwegian government. Despite being investigated and cleared of charges on multiple occasions, Natalia and her husband haven't seen their kids in months. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to the Western Journal. The world has become a frightening place in the past few months, and many people have even speculated that the end of the world is nigh. And Pope Francis, the leader of the Catholic Church, did not help to assuage those fears when, on Earth Day, he advised billions of Catholics around the world to seek forgiveness from the Earth in a screed that sounded more akin to a New Age movement speech than a Christian one. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number One Hats off to LifeSite News. LifeSite published an important text issued by Bishop Athanasius Schneider commenting on some key questions that have been vexing many Catholic faithful in the midst of the current crisis in the church under Pope Francis. This is a very important read. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. One of the goofiest encounters I can recall was with a couple of guys who belonged to the Church of Christ, also called Campbellites. They told me that the Church of Christ was the true church established by Jesus. I asked them what proof they had, and they looked at each other then to me. I was suddenly a space alien in their eyes, or a complete idiot who was incapable of grasping what seemed perfectly obvious to them. Eventually, one of them stuttered, well, the proof's in the name, Church of Christ. What they said proved nothing, of course. I could call myself the Pope, but nobody's going to whisk me off to the Vatican for a coronation. 
Just calling a thing something, in this case a denomination, doesn't make the thing take on a reality. I once knew a man whose name was Freight Train, but nobody really thought he was one. Despite that my encounter with the two Campbellites was ridiculous, I have to admit that I really admired them. More often than not, when discussions about religion are engaged in by people of different Christian alliances, they usually end with things like, well, we all worship the same God, or what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me, or let's just agree to disagree, or we're all going to heaven and that's all that really counts, which is the worst one of all. My encounter with the Campbellites never ended like that. Certainly I'd presented the Catholic position, which has documented history, but they continued to insist that their Protestant sect was the church established by Christ, and no amount of proof on my part would shake their belief. Why did I admire them? Because they had an unshakable belief in their religion and stood up for it. None of this we all worship the same God stuff. I don't care if you're a Church of Christ, a Baptist, or a Catholic. There have got to be reasons why you belong to that persuasion. And your reasons can't be things like, I was raised Baptist, or I married a Catholic. Those aren't reasons, they're excuses. When men enlisted during the Second World War, the reason they gave for doing so wasn't, I was raised in the military. No, every last man among them would have told you they enlisted to serve and protect America. Why aren't we that way with our faith? With the exception of the few converts I've asked over the years before I knew they were converts, every Catholic has told me they're Catholic because they were raised in a Catholic family or that they married a Catholic. Why don't you say things like, because Jesus established the Catholic Church, or you can only find Jesus in the Catholic Church on all their altars in the Holy Eucharist? To tell people you were raised Catholic or married one sounds like you're embarrassed to be a Catholic. Have you ever heard the term indifferentism as used in its theological context? Indifferentism is the heresy that it really doesn't matter which Christian group you belong to. People who hold to indifferentism are either incapable of logic, too lazy to apply logic, too lazy to learn, or they only give lip service to their belief in Christianity in the first place. Indifferentism is what causes them to make truly stupid statements like, we all worship the same God, or what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. According to a recent EWTN Real Clear survey, 82% of Catholics reject one or more teachings of the Catholic Church. If that doesn't imply indifferentism, I don't know what does. Before I talk more about this, let me first say that the laity can't be completely faulted for being indifferent. For the last 50 years, our bishops have done a magnificent job of teaching about social justice, but they've done such a terrible job of teaching the Catholic faith that they've actually committed treason against Jesus. So the laity have never been given a reason to be anything other than indifferent toward the church. One of the most stupid things I've ever heard anyone say is, what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. Excuse me, but in what universe does that statement make any sense? 
if a thing is true for you, it must by necessity be true for me. The definition of truth is when the mind conforms to reality. Reality dictates that when you add one to any integer, you get the next higher integer. Reality dictates that anything going up must come down because of this little law called gravity. Yet there are great numbers of people in the modern world who won't accept that adding one to any integer equals the next higher integer, and I would imagine the same holds true for gravity. You can stand on top of a 40-story building and shout, I don't believe in gravity. Then you can take a leap to prove your point. Sometime between your leap and when you splatter yourself on the sidewalk, your mind will conform to reality and you'll know the truth about gravity. Your subjective opinion that gravity doesn't exist in no way alters the objective reality that it does. It's just like these idiots in the LGBT movement who've identified 37 genders. There are two genders, male and female, period. The whole thing about indifferentism boils down to knowing the truth, conforming your mind to reality. If you can't give a reason for why you're a Catholic, then you suffer from the heresy of indifferentism. As I've said, I admire anyone who attempts to defend why they believe as they do when their defense is based on something besides subjective emotion, especially when it comes to something as important as religion. After all, our first pope said in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. Every Catholic needs to be prepared to make a defense, as our first pope commanded. Not only will being prepared cure any tendency you may have toward indifferentism and prevent you from sounding like a fool if you're asked why you're Catholic, but you have a massive arsenal of truth to be able to defend Catholicism against any Christian or non-Christian religion. From the very first century, the Church has taught that all Catholic beliefs are divinely revealed truths. If a truth can't be proven, it's only a theory. Every single teaching and belief in Catholicism, from the nature and existence of God to the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, can be proven, which means you never have to rely on subjective opinion. Best of all, always being prepared to make a defense for the hope that's in you, as Peter commanded us to do, will safeguard you from ever having doubts about Catholicism and why you believe. So why are you a Catholic? Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon. 
Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. There was once a little girl named Megan. Megan was very sick, and only an operation could save her life. After the nurses had prepared Megan, and the doctor prepared his surgical instruments, the surgeon said, Megan, I'm going to put you to sleep now. To sleep? asked Megan. Oh, then I have to say my prayers, because I always say my prayers before I go to sleep. May I say my prayers, doctor? Of course, the surgeon replied. The nurses helped Megan to her knees because that's how she wanted to pray. The surgeon and nurses watched her as she folded her hands, closed her eyes, and prayed with all her heart. She ended her prayer by saying, Dear God, please help me to get well. Then she made the sign of the cross and said, Thank you, doctor. I'm ready now. After the operation, Megan was still a very sick little girl. The doctor came to see her. She tried to smile at him as she quietly whispered, Doctor, will I get well again? Let's leave that to God, Megan, answered the doctor. I'm afraid your operation wasn't successful, but your prayers were. They didn't bring you health, but they converted a big sinner. What do you mean, doctor? Megan, I think you saved my soul. I haven't been to church for many years. I'd given up prayer and God. But when I saw you saying your prayers yesterday, tears came to my eyes, and I realized how much I'd been hurting God. I made up my mind to go to confession right after the operation. I went to Holy Communion this morning. I'm sure God will reward you, Megan. Don't worry about the rest. Megan never missed her prayers. She was used to talking to God because he was her best friend. Her good example converted a sinner. Don't be satisfied with only saying your morning, night, and mealtime prayers. You should pray often during the day. Speak to God as you would to your own best friend, just like Megan did. You'll save many souls, and most especially, your own. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.